Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris back for the first album of 2024. And I'd like to start this week with a little poetry. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I was a kid you never could trust. Quote Eric Felsen, 1993, fifth grade signature book. I miss you, buddy. I hope all is well. Uh, Chris, we're going to do some Heavenly this week. Dust to dust. How are you, my friend? I thought you were going to start quoting Metallica for a second there. I, I could have gone in that direction, too. There's no question about yeah, that. Yeah, uh, I'm good. Uh, this was um, uh, an interesting week because I spent it listening again to um, some of the uh, stuff from 2023 that I needed to uh, re-listen to and this uh, and this Heavenly album that I really have never sat down and listened to before. And it was kind of a beast. Yeah, uh, I have some strong thoughts. Um I love this album. Uh, when it came out, I chose it because it's the 20th anniversary. I said something incorrect on the last episode that it's the first French band that we've done. Apologies to Adagio. They were the first French band. This is the second. Uh, but here we are uh, going to go back in time. Before we do, though, a couple of things that uh, came out or one came out this week and one I kind of went back in the archives for. Um, this week, the new Lord of the Lost covers album came out. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to this. The album is called Weapons of Mass, excuse me, Weapons of Mass Seduction. And it's basically 31 or 32 covers of some of the most interesting, uh, choices that you could possibly imagine. They go from David Bowie to Judas Priest to, I don't know, the birds the Everly Brothers. I mean, this thing is all over the place to say nothing of Lady Gaga. But I got to be honest, I really kind of enjoyed it. It was it was definitely a change of pace. But if you haven't checked it out and you like uh, pop covers, Lord of the Lost does a nice job. Uh, what Judas Priest song did they cover? Uh, they would actually cover Turbo Lover, which uh, leads us to our episode last week um, where Sean the Metal Pigeon, uh, well, I guess that was the first episode of 2024, uh, requested Judas Priest's tur- um, Turbo. So kind of fitting that uh, Lord of the Lost was kind of on the same wavelength there. Yeah, I I really enjoyed some of these uh, selections. Um, and oddly enough, a bunch of them were songs that I heard for the first time covered by other metal bands um small town boy by bronski beat i heard for the first time uh by delane um him um uh, turbo vox is it was the original band um i think so uh the first time i ever heard that song was ed guy on the vainglory opera album which we've covered in the uh in the past and uh, It's a Sin by Pet Shop Boys, which I first time I heard was Gamma Ray from their Power Plant album. So it's odd that some of these songs have been covered by metal bands uh, in the past. But um, interesting, like, you know, uh, I Just Die in Your Arms by Cutting Crew, which is a classic 80s tune. But then like Somewhere Only We Know by Keen, which is uh, more of like a early 2000s kind of emo rock tune. Uh, there's just a really nice selection of stuff on here. Um, so yeah, I, I recommend this. I think Lord of the Lost does a good job with their, um, their, uh, versions of these, of these songs. And it's a really cool, I mean, there's a lot of really good eighties stuff, but definitely, like you said, bad romance by Lady Gaga and, and some, some more, uh, modern tunes as well. So this is a really cool thing. Um, it came out literally the last Friday of the year. Um, I don't think, I, I think just because it's a covers album, I'm not going to consider it for my top uh, 50 list, which we'll discuss next week, but um, it's definitely worth checking out. Or even if you just pick a couple of songs that, you know, you like, and you just want to check out their versions of it. They just um, recently released a single for the look, which um, uh, it was, it was uh, covered by, um, Tommy Yo- Tommy Johansson on his uh, Swedish Hits Goes Metal, him and Pelike do a very fun duet of that tune. So, uh, yeah, lots of good stuff. Um, glad you mentioned this because this is a, a fun album. And I think the band has um, got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of notice being in, in Eurovision along with uh, Voyager, um, having, you know, two metal bands uh, representing their individual countries i think was a a nice coup for the the metal universe so uh definitely uh a band to keep an eye on and and uh definitely check out this this covers album it's good stuff 
Yeah, well said. Well said. Um, and then I went back in the archives a little bit, not for, not our archives, just uh, back to an album from 2022 because there's some rumors that uh, Avatarium is going to play 70,000 tons of metal. They haven't been announced yet, but somehow they wound up on the Spanish version of the site but not the English version. So they may have leaked it by accident. Uh, they certainly have not been announced yet. Uh, and they took it down shortly after it kind of got out there that it had been up on the website. So I went back. I was a little, uh, you know, it had been a little while since I listened to them. And, and I listened to their last release, Death, Where Is Your Sting? And I got to be honest, they do Doom really well. Um, there's something melodic and almost poppy to their approach, despite the fact that they are obviously doing it in the Doom style. I, I think it's just a really unique sound. And uh, I hope they play the fest, I, or the, the, the boat. I really do, because that is something I would definitely make uh, time to check out. That's a band that's uh, definitely on my bucket list. Um, I, I, probably my favorite Doom metal band. And of course, um, they have a, a female singer, and that's probably why they're my favorite Doom metal band. I, I just find that... Um, her vocals are just so uh, they're so awesome. Like they're just, they, she has this um, kind of very soulful uh, sound that really works. And so I, I've been a, a pretty big fan of that, of them since um, there was a track, not from their last album, but I believe it was the, the album before or no, I'm not even the one prior to that hurricanes and halos. Uh, there was a song called "The Starless Sleep" that I was absolutely obsessed with. I just thought it was uh, it, it had such such hooks for a a doom metal song. It was uh, I, I, it was almost like holy shit! I, I, I didn't know doom metal could could be like this. So maybe I'd listen to it more often. Um, so it almost it, it it's I, I paid pretty. I listened to uh, "Death Wears Your Sting" quite a bit um, in 2022, and I don't know if I liked it quite as much as as the uh, couple of previous albums but they're definitely a band I, I, I always keep an eye on when uh new stuff comes out i would presume that they're probably going to come out with a new album uh either later this year or or sometime in, in 2025 but uh yeah for your sake i hope they do play uh 70,000 tons i want to say they've played it before but i'm not 100% sure on that but uh would love to see them at prog power one of these years as well um just a really It'd cool a band and I, I think would uh translate well to a live setting yeah i i think they would be a perfect fit uh in atlanta hope i get to see them and uh, hope they continue to tour because it seems like they're gaining popularity with each release although i will argue that uh, some of their older stuff i did prefer uh to the last album much like yourself but um yeah. Any, did you have a chance to check out anything new this week or did you go back in the archives for anything? Um, mostly stuff just from uh, 2023. Um, I did uh, post right before the end of the year my last uh, playlist of 2023, which happened to be one of my uh, Play the Old Shit uh, trademark Pat Gravino um, playlist. This was my Play the Old Shit Volume 6 Um and a lot of the songs really uh, tend to come from us doing the podcast and, and songs that I um, either, you know, never put on a playlist before that um, doing the episodes of the podcast kind of reminded me of or uh, songs I discovered through the podcast, such as, uh, you know, When Heaven Comes Down by Grim Reaper or uh, Evolution 169 by Nevermore or The Hours That Remain by Mercenary. So. Um, just those are just a couple of tunes uh, you can find on there. Once again, th- all of our playlists are on Spotify, and um, we will be posting our uh, e- you know end of twenty twenty three playlists um, sometime uh, before the end of the month for sure. So if if you know if you don't check out anything, at least check those out because those will be uh, chock full of our favorite tracks from our favorite albums of twenty twenty three. Um, but, uh, yeah, nothing really on the new end of things. Um, I've seen, you know, there's been some singles that have come out that I really haven't had a chance to listen to by Leaves Eyes and Green Day of all, (laughs) of all bands. Um, so, uh, I, once we finish our, our year end uh, review episode, um, I will dive back into current stuff and, uh, try to make my annual resolve to actually keep up with things throughout the year, which I never actually, um, 
never actually tend to do, but, uh, you know, the effort, it's never for a lack of effort. So, uh, uh yeah, lack- exactly. So yeah, uh, you know, lots of, uh, lots of stuff to look forward to. Um, I, I think I had mentioned to you off air that the first album of 2024 that I'm really looking forward to is, uh, Exit Eden. Um, and they, their album comes out, I believe, uh, when this airs, when this drops on, on Monday, it'll be out the next, uh, Friday. Um, but, uh, I really enjoyed their, uh, first, um, non-cover track that they did with Marco, uh, formerly of Nightwish. And, uh, and the, and then the tracks that they've released so far of the cover songs have been great. So, uh, looking forward to that. And, um, I'm sure there's plenty more forth forthcoming um i know isan has an album coming out this year leaves eyes as i'd mentioned um lots of stuff to uh to look forward to and uh, honestly uh, I'm, I'm really excited for this new green day album because i was so disappointed with their last release that they really kind of went into like a almost like a dance pop kind of uh direction and it sounds like based on the singles i've heard so far this is kind of going back in the uh, mid two thousands kind of era, the twenty first century breakdown. That right, that that kind of spot right there. Maybe Revolution Radio, those two albums. Um, so I'm hoping that uh, this kind of is is more of a return to to form. And uh, I'll, I also have uh, a little something I want to mention about uh, Pearl Jam, but I will save that for our uh, news yeah. section towards the end I of had, the, the uh, episode. I but, had something uh, yeah. to say about them as well, so uh, I. I get- it's it probably, probably the same is, thing, but though. that's okay. Um, let's let's talk about some heavenly. This band was kind of the second wave of power metal in many respects. In terms of um, their first album came out in two thousand, and this album came out in two thousand and four. So they were kind of uh, after the Stradivariuses and the Halloweens for sure, but not the newer bands like you know. Power Wolf or anything like that. So it's kind of like, I call it the second wave of, of bands. And for a long time, this was my favorite, favorite Heavenly album. Um, I thought the hooks were incredible. I think the songwriting is very interesting. But I'm going to kind of not waste time and, and kind of just say up front, I struggled with it more than I expected to this week. And I think that's in part to the fact that it was just much meatier than I remember. It is a long listen. And I think that although all the songs are pretty good, I think that if you kind of shaved about 15 or 20 minutes off of this thing, it might be a better album and just a more enjoyable listen. I'm curious as someone who's never listened to Heavenly's Dust to Dust or this brand of um, French power, flower power metal, what do you think? Like, uh, is this, is this, uh, was this hitting your sweet spot? Because I did have it with you in mind, but I'm, I'm not sure you loved it like I thought you would. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Uh, yeah, I, I, I it, it wasn't like in. Power Quest, you know, never more ten out of ten kind of uh, air, which is is you know incredibly rare, but um, definitely my type of of metal. The this band reminds me of like the greatest hits of our high school days. It's like there's songs that make me think of mostly Gamma Ray, but um, there's Stradivarius, there's Angra, there's Dude. Halloween. Like it's like a, it's like a power metal who's who that you can tell that they, they were influenced by. Um, and based on, like you said, based on the timing of the releases, um, I'd put them kind of in that, you know, that category with the dragon forces and the power quests, like that kind of era, like you said, that second wave, it's a great, it's a great way of, of putting it. Um, I re- remember seeing either their first or second album at a at a UCD store in Scranton when I was in college, and it. I remember thinking like, "Wow, that's weird that they would have this here," but I didn't buy it. Um, and maybe had I bought it, I, I would have gotten into this band a lot earlier than I did. Um, but my my recollection 
was about finding out about them was was something about gamma ray i think helped helped them get onto the noise records label uh for their first album and that's kind of how they got their start i'm pretty sure kai hansen did like a guest spot on that first album and just kind of uh help them kind of get their yep. foot in the door. Um, do, do you happen to know any more about that? The kind of the, the band. Yeah, so start? they actually formed in 1993 in Paris, but I can't really give them credit for that because the first release didn't come out for another seven years, but you hit the nail on the head. This band um, signed with noise records in 1999 and they released coming from the sky the next year. And it quite frankly was, was very well received. Um, and, Soon thereafter, they would have a number of lineup changes. And I'm so happy that you mentioned all the different influences on these songs because I'm curious to see if we hear the same things. I definitely identified bands that were shining through each of these tracks. And I almost wonder if it was like partially a tribute to the to those that came before them. Like that's how much um, I heard the bands that you mentioned and then some. So I'm curious to see if we're the same there. I'm going to for the sake of completion, I'm just going to kind of go through the lineup because again, the band had just a lot of lineup changes over the years. Uh, Benjamin Soto on vocals, uh, Maxence Pilo on drums, Frederick Leclerc on guitars, uh, formerly of Dragon Force, currently with Creator. I mean, that guy is just an absolute monster and, and there's nothing he can't play. Um, Pierre-Emmanuel Pelisson on bass and Charlie Cobio on guitars. So it's a five-piece project and I have to say, all in all, um, just a very dense listen. And it came out January 12th of 2004. And it was recorded in Heavenly Studios in France. So you can do the math there. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that's what how they got that name. Um, they chose not to stick with the original name of the band, Satan's Lawyer, uh, which you might know a thing or two about. Uh <laughs> It's not my band, but it might be my entire professional career. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, just, the, uh, really, the, the first really, album, um, Coming from the stuff. Sky, uh, was what I will say uh, did feature Kai Hansen and. Uh, what was that? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just saying the first album um, did feature Kai Hansen and um, and Pete. S- Still, seal. I never this know how to pronounce this guy's pronounce name. The guy from, from Iron Savior. Yes, um, and, and he actually also uh, helped produce it along with Thomas Knack, who was uh, Gamma Ray's uh, drummer at one point. Um, so, yeah, there is a, a bit of uh, overlap with those those uh, Gamma Ray and Iron Savior kind of helping Evanly get their foot in the door, as I had uh, mentioned earlier. Um, but yeah, you were talking about the um, the lineup. Uh, Frederick Leclerc joined the band with the, the second album, Sign of the the Winner, and then um, it would be uh, I don't know. The, I don't know if the band has kind of like a what's considered a classic lineup, or just you know, like you said, guys were just kind of coming in and out. Um, but uh, this was an interesting choice. I believe it's their is is it their only. Um, Concept I believe album? it is. Uh, I'm not sure if Virus is a concept album. I don't believe Carpe Diem is, although I'd have to have somebody fact check me on that. Um, what I can say is um, it is it, – it's a very interesting listen because they kind of go away from the style of the first two albums in many regards. It's a little more um, – it's a little faster. It's a little heavier. Uh, I think that's definitely Frederick Leclerc's influence on some of the riffs on this album. I think it's obvious when you listen to it from the very beginning that this is um, something they spent a lot of time on. And I say that just because it had been three years since the prior release and it really did sound quite different from Sign of the Winner. Uh, yeah, I based on what I've heard from those first two albums, I definitely agree. Th- this has a lot more of a grandiose kind of nature and epic nature to it. Loudwire actually ranked it the 25th best power metal album of all time, which uh, is, you know, that's kind of a big deal, I, I would say. There was a time where I think I would have absolutely agreed with that. I don't know that I have the same sentiment as I sit here today, as I've kind of moved away from the genre a little bit, but I certainly don't want to mince words. I enjoyed the listen. It was just a bit of a struggle 
the fifth and sixth time that I listened to it. Um, we've, you know, I, I, so I, right. I want to be clear about that. But and it should be mentioned that um, Sasha Payeth um, produced this album. This was the first Heavenly album that he produced, and uh, apparently was the la- the only one that he produced, according to uh, Wikipedia. So um, I'm sure the the strong production values has. Uh, a little bit at least to do with, with his uh, presence. Um, what did you think about the overall story arc that was told oh, in God. the story? Um, a little, uh, a little fantastical, I, if you will. Uh, I, I, I think about our interview um, that we did when we were talking about He-Man um, just because of the way that this thing comes together. I, I don't have an affinity for lyrics like this. I think that um, especially as I've gotten older, I don't really relate to them, but at the same time, um, I, I, I didn't. I don't think I've ever listened to this album for the story. I just listened to it for the hooks because there are quite a few of them. And when you get deeper into some of these tracks, the th- I mean, the, the album clocks in at what is it, seventy plus minutes? I mean, this thing is—you get your money what's worth with this one. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, oh, more than half the tracks are at least six minutes long, which for a power metal album is. Is meaty, 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 meaty. Um, the the story is straight out of Castlevania. Really? I don't even think I realized uh, that. Yeah, so at least according to Wikipedia, um, the album is uh, a concept album following a man seeking revenge upon the master of doom for transforming him into a vampire and forcing him to prey on the innocent huh. for eternity. Um, and the album concludes with the protagonist overcoming his master. He suffers a fatal wound, but he regains his soul and attains paradise. There you have it. uh, I have to say, of all the concept albums I've heard, uh, including No Spoon, um, this is a storyline that I'm not familiar with, uh, at least in the metal world. So um, interesting uh, that it's um, a little bit more of like a fantasy-based kind of storyline, which you don't really see too much of i don't think uh, out like in this sort of way um you know outside of like rhapsody is uh, that kind of reminds me more of a, i guess it's more of this kind of like noir vampire kind of thing like you don't really see a lot of that in, in metal so i thought that was an it was a bit of criticism choice. i think because of um just vampires as a genre was kind of a big thing 20 years ago. So it, i think it was fitting but at the same time I'll, it did catch a little bit of slack in the press for it um, because they thought it was a little too uh, cliche for what was happening in 2004. But uh, I digress. This thing starts off with uh, your typical standard power metal introductory track. It comes in at under two minutes. The song is called Ashes to Ashes. I immediately started thinking about a horror movie. There's like these sounds of screaming feral animals in the background. And then there's this cheesy voice actor that's like a poor man's Christopher Lee on this uh, leading into evil which is one of the most interesting power metal tunes, believe it or not, that I think I've ever heard. I, I, any thoughts on Ashes to Ashes before we get into the first track proper? No, uh, it just sounds like another yeah. day at my house, like just uh, how, howling and growling and, and you know, drooling. And uh, and that's just me. That's not even <laughs> the dogs. Um, yeah, uh, just, you know, kind of like your run-of-the-mill, uh, you know, spooky intro, not really much in the way of musically, it just kind of has like a, um, some like, you know, spooky keyboard chords or whatever to lead things in. And then, man, that, that, that guitar riff that kicks in evil is, is has such a gamma ray kind of, uh, vibe to it. This song reminded me quite a bit of, of gamma ray as a matter of fact, like it feels like there were even some, um, some riffs that were pulled like right out of some old, older gamma ray songs. Um, certain songs remind me of specific uh, Gamma Ray songs. I, ironically, Gamma Ray has a song called Lust for Life. Uh, but, um, you know, getting back to, to evil, um, the way that, like, it, it slows down, uh, it kind of reminds me a bit of um, Man, Man on a Mission from Land of the Free. Uh, kind of, like, m- slows down to, like, a, a, a medium pace, even though the song starts out really fast. And I feel like that's something that Gamma Ray was really good at. And I feel like Heavenly kind of follows that uh, pattern of songwriting, especially here. Um, but th- I thought this was such a killer song to 
kick things off. Just has a lot of really excellent uh, orchestration, great keyboards, strong guitar work. I love uh, Benjamin Sato or Soto. Uh, his vocals are are fantastic, not to be confused huh. with Jeff Scott. Um, just a really great way to kick things off. Uh, I really like this song. Arguably the best and most complete song on the album, I think. Um, honestly, it's one of the better power metal songs of the era. I've always, always thought that this track kicked ass. I love the bells at the beginning. I think it really kind of sets the mood. And it's very fast. It's upbeat and very double bass drum heavy. Um, they're they're just uh, they're coming out on fire with this one. And it's interesting. I didn't realize that Soto or Sato writes all the music. So you have – it's not coming from the guitars or the bass or the drums, but it's really coming from a keyboard perspective in many ways. And while he's not the most powerful singer, he certainly fits the music very well. There's also a bit of a neoclassical feel in some of the spots on this song, but I, I I will end it by just saying I think it holds up very, very well, and I love how the choruses seem to go higher and higher up the register because by the end of this song, he's hitting notes that I just don't think are human. Yeah, and I think what helps the kind of dispel the the gamma ray uh, comparison is that we're, this is this is a singer very different no from doubt. Kai Hansen. It's not... You know, there is a little bit of, um, I think, a little bit of similarity, but I think that these Benjamin's a much smoother vocalist and not quite Sometimes as raspy. He screams as a bit, um, and when he screams, you can hear the comparison. But when he's singing in the upper register, I mean, Kai couldn't do that on his, you know, in, in his dream. Yeah, and there's there's even parts, and I'll mention them when we get to it. But I mean, there's there's parts where he reminded me of Matos. Yeah. Like there was a. It, it, the guy's a, a pretty a pretty awesome singer, and I thought he, he fit this really well. And he's been one of the uh, one of the the us uh, you know the long running members of this band who has been in the band from start to finish. So um, I I enjoyed his uh, his vocal performance quite quite a bit on this, and I think this was a, a really nice kind of intro to that and. Um, yeah, and just I'll, I'll finish up uh, just by saying like the the kind of um, you know kind of like ch- church organ ty- type of chords that you hear in the background, very Castlevania esque, which makes sense considering the story uh, being told. And this predates Twilight, both the books oh, and no the kidding. movies. So uh, the, yeah, I was I was ch- I wanted to check to see if they were trying to cash in on the vampire craze. It, it turns out they may wow, have started. Go, it. go figure. Um... A a classic in all respects. I could have easily made it my song of the week. I'm going to go in a different direction, but uh, anybody would be well served to listen to this one. And then we get to Lust for Life, which ironically does not have much of a gamma ray feel to it, despite the similar name. It has a really kind of bombastic sound. Um, I love the keys. I don't particularly love the riffs. I think they're a little vanilla, but at the same time, they're so damn catchy that it almost doesn't matter how simple, simple they are. The band that they remind me of is Skylark. It reminds me of that like Italian metal scene, which is ironic because we recently spoke about Skylark on one of our Patreon episodes. Yeah, not not no, in very glowing no. terms. And, and I, but but those first uh, <laughs> Skylark does have a few power metal albums that are quite good. Uh, they just have a DVD that's quite terrible, and I'll, I'll leave that for for our Patreon fans. But um, this song is the soaring vocals during the pre-chorus and the chorus and the polish that they kind of put on this song, really, really, really good. And then you get to this solo section, which is just a blatant Stradivarius ripoff, but I love it. It's just a notch or two below evil in my eyes, but it's a good song. Uh, This is my song of the week. I just really, really enjoyed this song a lot. Um, I love just how epic it kicks off. It's almost like this um, majestic sort of uh just the way that it, it kicks off and which is good because i feel like like you said the previous track had kind of a, a gamma ray vibe to it and i feel like this song felt a little bit more unique and and didn't really feel as much like um at least from the get-go uh like like they were you know tributing uh you know another power metal band um but I, I just, man, I love the 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 chorus is just so so catchy. Um, I I think this is like everything that you could really want from a power metal song. And I kept listening to the album like 
wondering if something else was going to take over as my favorite track. And it just never did. Like I, I, this was my favorite and uh, it, it stayed that way pretty much from the beginning of listening to the end. Uh, It's just shy of, um, well, no, it's a little longer than six minutes, but it doesn't really uh, outstay. It's welcome much like the previous track, which is oddly enough, exactly the same length. Um, But I like this one a lot. So let's uh, give it a listen and we'll, move along um i also didn't realize that the album was broken up into three chapters um so uh this is the third of the four tracks that comprise of chapter one so here is a uh, lust for life by heavenly Great choice with Lust for Life. I, I am not surprised um, that you chose it. I, I wasn't sure which you were going to choose, um, but certainly a worthy contender. And then we get to the third six-plus-minute track in a row, Victory, Creature of the Night. Um, this thing starts like a ballad with the piano, and it's very reminiscent of Angra, in my opinion. Um, and then it eventually just goes up into a straight-up power metal song um, with the double bass drums and the keys kind of leading the charge. Um it's rather heavy. It's like deceptively heavy for a band that I would classify as flower power metal. Um, I, and I have to say, I love how it changes pace throughout. It almost gave me like a symphony of the night vibe, which ironically, I guess is what they were going for considering the theme. Um, and, and that was during the instrumental section. I, I have to think you like this one as well. Yeah. Uh, Angra was the, the definitely the vibe I got, especially, um, the beginning of the song actually uh, reminded me of, of Andre Matos at the beginning of uh, Inside by Avantasia. Um, just kind of like this very, um, very like beautiful piano uh, intro with the, vo- with the, with the high pitched vocals over it that I think were reminiscent of Matos. But yeah, like you said, then it just kind of uh, explodes into um, a more upbeat song, but then it kind of does like that, almost like meatloaf-esque, you know, like, dun, 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 or more like maybe Queen-like yeah. runs, like, um, and I think that that kind of gives it a little bit more of a, a dramatic, uh, like, you know, uh, theatrical kind of flair. Um, but, um, yeah, again, this is another really strong tune, and I think that it kind of gives um, the first chapter of the three chapters um, enough ammo to say this might be the strongest third uh, of the album all, uh, you know, all told. Um, But uh, yeah, I I, I feel like the album really starts off very strong, but I think that it just kind of, maybe if I had listened to it more like in these sections, it wouldn't feel like it kind of slogged on. But it did start to feel like it was getting a little bit long towards towards the end. But I mean, at the point we're at now in these first four tracks, like really uh, outstanding stuff, just really awesome. Like I just really enjoyed this a lot. It's just uh, I just think that an album like this doesn't need to be seventy minutes. Exactly, long. I think that's well said. Um, and then as we kick off part two, they were I think smart to kind of go in a bit of a direction with with two of the next three songs. Um, we start with Illusion Part 1, and then it goes right into Illusion Part 2, The Call of the Wild, which is kind of an intro track to the to the second one. Um, again, you got these spooky sound effects with like a march-like slow build during the intro. And um, 
it's short, but I actually find it to be quite well done. Uh, it has like a very triumphant feel to it, like a return from victory or something like that. And then Call of the Wild shoots really fast out of the gate. And this one, um, this is like your standard power metal anthem in, in many respects. Uh, what what band did it remind you of when you when you heard this one? Um, I to me, I, this was more along the lines of Gamma Ray personally. I don't know if that was the same. One hundred percent. I heard Gamma Ray through and through. Um, I, I think that the bridge is critical on this track because it really kind of breaks up the monotony of the rest of the song and it helps it remain catchy throughout. And it's, um, I, I think that it's a good start to part two. But I agree with you that towards the end of this, it gets a little, a little long. Uh, I think that's well said. But this is a good gamma ray style power metal tube. Yeah, I agree uh, 100%. I can't put my finger on exactly which Gamma Ray song it reminded me of. It, maybe it's a combination of songs, but yeah, it's kind of in that in that vein. Not And, and I, I don't say that in a bad way. Like, there's worse <laughs> bands you could emulate um, on some of your tracks. So yeah, um, you can tell that they're definitely... Uh, an influence yeah no doubt about it and then they go back into another short little interlude with the ritual um this one has a really like out of space vibe to it and i think that they do a nice job with the acoustic guitar sound i think it's a nice touch that hadn't been explored to this point um and it kind of leads into keepers of the earth what are your thoughts on these two uh you know just kind of a, a pretty basic uh instrumental um i think just kind of breaks up the uh, the ch- the second chapter. Uh, really like Keepers of the Earth, though. Very um, just uh, very catchy, catchy power metal. Um, I love those like super high pitched vocals um, that that Benjamin does on, on this one that I, I couldn't even pray to be able to hit uh, note wise. Um, but um, this is an- another one has uh, I bl- so the riffs are uh, kind of gave me a little bit of a blind guardian kind of feel uh, just in case there were, we're running out of great power metal bands that we could compare this album I, to, but I like, this I one hear a lot. something completely different on this track, uh, but I'll preface it by saying it's my song of the week. I actually liked the song a lot and it was probably the biggest surprise um, of the week for me. So I, I named it my song of the week. Let's give it a listen and then I'll kind of walk you through my rationale for it. This is Keepers of the Light. Earth. After the intro, it really kind of goes in like a neoclassical direction, in my opinion. I hear Ingve, I hear Galnerius, um, and then it. What, what really stood out to me was not that the verses were fantastic, but I love the vocal lines during the verses. I think that they are spectacular, and it leads to this pre-chorus which rocks, and then it yields to this massive, big chorus that really is one that you kind of want to sing along to. It reminds me of. At least the chorus, it reminds me of Salvation by Halloween with a touch of Eagle Fly Free, and that's all I need to hear. So um, at least the way the chorus is constructed. So Song of the Week, really a fan of this one. Yeah, I definitely noticed um, some of the – I mean, I know – yeah, it, there's two guitar players here. It There was definitely some of that Halloween-style Waikiki Kai – uh, or Waikiki Roland, or you know Waikiki Sasha, depending you know, on which era of Halloween we're talking. But uh, definitely um, it, on some of these tracks, I, I definitely picked up on on that. That was the part that reminded me 
of Halloween was some of the guitar work. Um, whereas like, I felt like the songs as they were constructed in, in certain times were, uh, quite gamma ray, like, um, some of the times, um, but yeah, this is a fine, fine choice for song of the week might've honestly been one of my, uh, runners up or, or top of the, the list, um, tracks, uh, as well as the following track miracle, which, um, is the longest album or longest song on the album clocking in at just over nine minutes. Um, this reminded me of just like your, your <laughs> just epic power metal tracks. I think in like theater of salvation by Ed guy or, or something of that nature. But here's the thing about this song. And you can tell me if you agree or disagree, but it sounds like the album could have ended with this song. Like it's such an epic ending if it has like this end of album kind of feel to it and the album would have like clocked in at like 45 minutes it would have been a really tight album and i think that the album would have ranked higher for me had it ended here um not that the rest of the album is bad by any chance but it's almost like a little bit bloated um i feel like i'm maybe nitpicking a little bit but i don't know this i felt like this song just had that end of album feeling to it just that really epic you know choruses and and that slow down towards the end and it like it just felt like it was all coming together it reminded me quite a bit of like the end of, of theater of salvation by ed guy um but no there's still four more and they're not short i i happen to agree with you um this track is a little bit long to be in this spot on the album and then follow it up with four more tunes i think that the piano interludes and kind of the whimsical quality, the choruses are really good. I definitely hear Gamma Ray on this one as well. I, I don't really care so much for the bridge. It's a little bit too cheesy for me with the vocal choir and stuff like that. Not a bad song. It just, it could have ended here. And I think I would have been totally pleased. I happen to agree with you because then you get to fight for deliverance. And I'm not crazy about this one. I think the instrumental section is pretty cool. Um, I think that the drum solo kind of kicks these things off, which is a nice touch. You don't really feature the drums so much up front on this album. Um, but it's the issue is that it's nothing you haven't really heard when you get into the track proper. It's like you've heard this already, and there was kind of no need for it, I guess. Uh, the, I thought the, dr- the drum intro to this song was, again, came, came out of the Gamma Ray playbook. It reminded me of... Um, something from somewhere out in space uh, i i um i think it was there was like a an interlude track before um some one of the songs towards the end of the album i'm not going to remember off the top of my head but just the the way that the tone of the drums was it's it reminded me of that um and yeah this is like a it's still a very fine song it's just shy of uh seven minutes like it's almost as if, if they released the third chapter of this album as like an yeah, ep that, like a couple of months after the album and be like oh here's here's what you missed uh from the the you know dust for du- dust to dust sessions um but they were just like now nah, let's just you know put it all on, on one album and granted it's a story and these like like i'd mentioned earlier like these segments of the album are, are separated into chapters this is the beginning of chapter three i think i might have had I realized that when I was listening to the album, I might've listened to it differently. Um, but again, I think it's, I'm being a little bit nitpicky. Um, I just think that the first nine tracks were so strong. It almost was like, maybe you want to, you know, cut your losses at that point. And like, you know, you just, you got, you have a winner here. Sign yeah, of the winner. I, I, I don't um, disagree. I think, um, they get a little weird on the back end of the album. Hands of Darkness is an instrumental tune that's kind of buried on the back. I never really noticed it. Um, I really made a concerted effort to give the back half of the album like the attention it deserves, even though it was long in the tooth for me. Um, I definitely heard Symphony X in the intro, which I thought was interesting because I don't consider them power metal at all. They're probably in my eyes. Um, and the reason I say that, it's really just the keyboards and the riffs and how they play off of each other. Um I, I didn't remember this song as much, um, but it definitely gives all the musicians a chance to shine. I, I, I'm a big fan of just that, um, the guitar with the, you know, married with that, um, 
that organ style uh, keyboard sound like together, like definitely that neoclassical symphony X. I'm definitely hearing that. It just, it's odd that like there's this five and a half minute, basically like instrumental guitar solo, more or less, um, you know, kind of bringing up the rear on this one before there's another, you know, 13 minutes of, of music that comprises of two tracks. Um, Kingdom come. But uh, is, is- I, I think this was the only track that was written solely by Leclerc, and so which makes sense because it's mostly a a guitar song. Uh, so, um, but uh, yeah, uh, just an interesting interesting choice. Um, but yeah, it's a weird placement for like a, a five and a half minute, you know, instrumental like towards the end of the album that's already kind of you know kind of long to begin with. Um, you know, it's a good track. I just, uh, just interesting placement. And I, I think guess. you can say the same thing about Kingdom Come. It's over eight minutes. It's buried on the back of the album. I think it too has a Symphony X kind of feel to it, but it reminds me of something you'd hear on Twilight and Olympus, like vividly, like th- th- especially in the, uh, the intro on this one. Um, and then all of a sudden the verses kick in and it's like this galloping, um, just like the, it has like a gallop to it with kind of catchy choruses. I'll, I'll give them that. Reminds me of Freedom Call. That's what I hear when I hear this song. Um, it just could have been shorter. Like, I, I don't think it needed to be eight plus minutes. I think that they could have cut this thing down and it would have resonated a little bit more. And then it ends with another meaty track with Dust to Dust. Um, just when you think it's over, you know, they have almost a five minute song on the back end. What are your thoughts on these two as you kind of take the album out? Um, Again, like, I think they're good songs. Um, I just, uh, I just really prefer the first like two thirds of the album to this. I mean, maybe I wouldn't be bothered as much by the length of the album. If the, it wasn't so, t- you know, top and middle heavy, I guess. Um, it's like, these songs are, are very good songs, but like the songs that preceded them were better. Um, and so that's kind of, and, and again, it's like, you know, five and a half minute instrumental followed by an eight plus minute, you know, track. And we're not even done yet. Like you said, there's still, <laughs> um, you know, an almost five minute finale. And this is another song that has definite last song vibes, but you know, we've already right, done this. Right. Um, it, it starts off like a and, piano and, ballad. And I would argue that, yeah, I'd argue that Miracle was a better track. It, like, it, it, it starts off as like a piano ballad, and then it gets very power metal ballady or what have you. It's definitely an interesting end to the album, but I don't know. I mean, I know it's the story and whatnot, but you could have ended it with Virus and and, and called it a day. And I want to be clear, these are good songs. It's just it was it was a bit of a slog as I kind of listened to this over and over this week. I I think that the great songs on this album and there are a lot of them hold up very well some of these are just a little bit long in the tooth i think was the phrase you used and i would agree with that i'm so curious on a scale of one to ten what you gave this because it sounds like we're attacking the album but i want to be clear it's it's a very good power metal album not perfect far from perfect but it's very good yeah agreed um again like i said i feel like i'm being a little bit nitpicky here and maybe if i had uh a better grasp on the other um heavenly albums this album might have more of a place for me to put it um in that you know pantheon of albums but you know what i i i i i called in a friend on this one uh (laughs) because i thought maybe uh it would be helpful to have somebody who knows heavenly better than I do uh, provide his thoughts. And that person is our friend, uh, Johannes um, from Skyblazer, who, uh, you know, had done a conversation with us in the past. And uh, oddly enough, uh, the day before we recorded this episode, he, um, he has been doing a thing on his personal Facebook page where he is basically uh, placing every song by a band in tears um and it typically would have to be a band that he knows well enough to rank every single song he's done power quest which is his uh you know his favorite band um i believe i asked him at one point to do uh rain seed slash majestica which he was uh happy to do um 
and and just oddly enough, yesterday he came, he made a list of of his tier for every heavenly song. Um, I don't think anything was in below a C tier uh, on their entire discography. I don't think uh, I'm, I'm just trying to remember that off the top of my head. Cause he has the S tier, the A tier, the B tier and the C tier. Um, so I just figured uh, what better person to ask. So I shot him a message and he was a little bit busy tonight uh, doing uh, ABBA karaoke. Are we off? Are we off? Um, but yeah, but uh, he, he decided to, uh, to take a little rest from uh, what he was doing, which I appreciate to send these thoughts. Uh, he actually said, sacrificed my social life for 30 minutes plus. Dude, you're welcome. Wow. Uh, so, <laughs> Johannes, we, we thank you uh, for taking your uh, the time out of uh, Singing Dancing Queen to um, provide your thoughts on this. So I'll, I'll read what he had to say. Uh, he said Dust to Dust is the third album by Heavenly, and ironically, it's also number three for me when ranking the, the albums, the Heavenly albums. Personally, I think Heavenly has only good albums under their belt. Even on the lesser good albums, they're great. This album has got a fantastic beginning and middle. Evil is an amazing song, which kicks off the album perfectly. After a couple of songs, we get Illusion Part 2, and after a brief interlude, we get Keepers of the Earth. The three songs I just mentioned are among Heavenly's best songs, which is why it's infuriating that several songs in this album are kind of mediocre. Victory, Hands of Darkness, and Kingdom Come do very little for me personally, and I don't really like the interludes on the album. It makes it feel disjointed. The final ballad, Dust to Dust, is pretty good, and Miracle, as well as Fight for Deliverance, are pretty memorable as well. Overall, the album is sort of a middle point for me with Heavenly. My favorite album by them is Virus, which is a lot heavier, but also has, has got way stronger choruses. Sign of the Winter comes second for its amazing keyboards and orchestrations, as well as its influences from Stradivarius and Gamma Ray. Dust to Dust falls in the middle because it's not doing the orchestral cheesy part as well as Sign, but neither the heavier parts as well as Virus. Nevertheless, it's still a great power metal album that everybody who loves the more melodic stuff should hear for themselves. So Well said. And I, uh, it, never at a loss for words, our oh, friend <laughs> Johannes, but we, we do appreciate uh, taking the time out of your social life to provide those thoughts. And I think he kind of summed it up probably better than I would have been able and to. And I think he so, echoed uh, our that's, sentiments that's in why I, regards. You know, I think that the songs that yes. like we really kind of pointed out are, are some of the songs that he liked as well. So, you know, there, a little bit of consensus there anyway. On a, on a scale of one to 10, what are you ranking this thing? Uh, I, to me, I thought this was a 7.875, you know, just shy of eight, um, didn't quite make it to that, that, that eight, which is like, you know, very good (laughs) to bordering on excellent uh, for me. But that said, like, I really enjoyed every time I put this album on and I liked it a little bit more each time that I listened to it. If the first time I listened to it, I couldn't believe how dense it was for a power metal album, but um, I really enjoyed it. I think I probably would rank it higher if I had nostalgia for it. Um, but uh, I, I just thought it was very good. And it hits all those notes that as a power metal fan and a fan of melodic music in general, like Johannes mentioned, um, that, that it, it just pr- pushes all the right buttons for me. Um, I'm guessing you're in the same area. I am. I think that if you would have asked me a year ago from memory, I think I would have said it's definitely an eight, maybe an eight and a half. I mean, I really, I think it is a very good disc. I think it's more now below an eight. I don't know that it has aged quite as well as some other albums from the era, but I to say I didn't enjoy it would be a gross overstatement. It's a 7.75 for me. A very good power metal disc um, for a band that's somewhat polarizing. I think they're hard bands, and then they have um, people that like to kind of give them uh, a little bit of lip because of the vocals or because of the uh, way they construct the songs. I don't know, but uh, a bit polarizing. But good, two good scores across the board from both of us. No question about that. Yeah, I think this is our the closest we've come a to while. a score since uh, Dream Theater's Awake album, um, where we were. <coughs> Also, uh, an eighth of a <laughs> eighth of a point apart. Um, so, yeah, uh, this was this is a very uh, very enjoyable listen, and, and um, I hope we go back and do um, you know more 
Heavenly album. This probably was going to be something that I would have eventually asked you to do a career retrospective on because they don't have a ton of albums. And um, I just, they're just one of those bands I felt like I was, you know, wish I knew more by. Um, But this is definitely a good start. And I'm sure we will uh, circle back to this band again in the future. um, And we'll definitely talk about them if they uh, do, in fact, release a new album, which they, I think, I think last year or the year before they had announced that they were um, getting back together. I I hadn't even realized that they were apart, um, but it sounds like they are uh, a active band again. After a 13-year hiatus, they are back. And that was also part of the reason I picked them because I was excited to hear that they are back. I'm curious to hear what new music sounds like with the modern production methods and everything else. I think that uh, it has all the potential in the world, although I don't know that the vocals are going to carry quite the way they did as they did 20 years ago because we all get older. So uh, nonetheless, I'm glad you liked it. A great, uh, great band to kind of do a deeper dive into in the future. I agree with you. And uh, that's, that's, that's that. I want to mention a pair of news items the first is another band that is kind of celebrating an anniversary, and that's Sabaton, celebrating their 25th anniversary for the band. Apparently, they're going to do special things each month this year, dedicating each month to a different album in the discography, starting with Primo Vittoria, of course, and then going to the most recent album, The War to End All Wars. I am always intrigued by what they come up with because I think that the band is just very um, good in terms of reflecting and playing, you know, playing, you know, homage to the old stuff and and things like that. So I'm curious to see where this thing goes, but uh, I can't believe it's been 25 years of Sabaton. That's nuts. Yeah. um, I feel like I got into them. uh, They were around for a good bit. Uh, I got into them around the time that um, Art of War was released. Uh, that was when they played at Prague Power, and that was kind of my introduction to them. And I was a little surprised at how much uh, how, they had. I think three albums prior to that, at least two. Um, so I didn't realize that they were around. But yeah, twenty five years—that's making me feel a little bit old. But uh, I'm not in the band, so I guess I can't well, go yeah. Uh, but speaking of bands that have been around for a while, you mentioned earlier uh, you are wearing a Pearl Jam shirt, and you had something you wanted to talk about. Hit me. Yeah, well, you know, it always warms my heart when I see uh, Blabbermouth or Brave Words posting Pearl Jam news, uh, even though it's typically considered, you know, a heavy metal news site. Um, It's nice that they, I guess, Pearl Jam falls into the realm of hard rock enough that they can get a mention. And, you know, as one of my favorite non-metal bands, along with uh, Green Day, who, like I mentioned before, has an album coming out later this month, supposedly uh, Pearl Jam is going to be writing a heavier album, uh, their next album. Uh, I do not know if it's supposed to be released this year. I'm hoping that it is because it has been uh, a few years now since Gigaton came out in 2020. Um, But uh, honestly, I haven't really, really liked a Pearl Jam studio album since 2006's uh, self-titled album or the avocado album as, as is known amongst the fans. Um, I know that they were kind of working out some of their anti uh, George W. Bush uh, angst at that time, but I just felt like that album had, um, had a lot of balls on it that I feel like the, the, the albums that followed didn't really have, I, I, I thought backspacer had its moments, but it was almost a little bit too mellow. Um, I feel like they picked up a little bit with the following, uh, the following two albums, lightning bolt and, and gigaton. But um, I probably would say lightning bolts, my favorite of those three. <laughs> um, but man, I'm just, it's been a while since Pearl jam released an album that really kicked my ass. I would say that that Oh six release was probably the last, one for me so uh, i'm always going to be a big fan and there's always a handful of tracks that i really like on all their albums but um i i would like to see one of their albums make it onto my year-end list one of these years that we we do this and uh so far um they haven't released an album since we started doing these lists so it's their oh for you know oh for zero <laughs> so far but uh i don't know that i would have put um 
their last couple of albums. I don't know if they would have made my, my list, uh, those years. Um, so we'll see, uh, it, was that what you had heard or wanted to talk about, or is it something else that we can add to it? No, you, you hit the nail on the head. The, uh, discussion about the songwriting process and the fact that it is very guitar driven. And it seems like there's a bit of angst as well has me very intrigued. And I, I just be, would be remiss not to talk about that a little bit. Um, I am not the fan you are, although I definitely enjoy the band and I've have all their albums and all that, but I'm waiting for an album that just blows me away. And here's hoping that this is it. There's certainly a lot of material to write about. So we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it immensely. Yeah. I think with Pearl Jam, it's become such a, a collaborative effort with the songwriting with, you know, Jeff and Stone and, um, and, and Eddie and, and, uh, everybody else. Um, forgot to mention uh you know mike mccready i don't know how much um i don't know how much matt cameron um does with songwriting as the drummer uh but you know i do believe that the songwriting is a collaborative collaborative effort and and i wonder if that's kind of why they've i don't know it feels like they've been a little bit less heavy in the last few albums and um one of the comments i saw on you know in reply to that article was that uh, i guess uh I guess Jeff and Stone are going to be doing more of the songwriting. So I, I don't know if that's, you know, I, I'm not really like the way I am with Halloween where I know who wrote what song. I, I'm not like that with Pearl Jam <laughs> where I know, oh, that's an Eddie Vedder song or that's a Stone Gossard song. I literally have no idea. Uh, so um, it, I'm interested. I, I'm always, I always look forward to see what they uh, come out with, but um, they definitely have slowed down their releases. Um you know, as they've gotten older, which, you know, is, is pretty typical of, you know, bands that are kind of creeping into their fifties and sixties, you know, a little less touring, a little less, a little more time in between albums. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. And I know that, um, we will definitely talk about, uh, that album when it does get released. Did, did you happen to notice if they had a, a timetable on it or they just literally said the next album? Yeah, they don't really commit, uh, I think. So unclear whether it's going to be this year or next year. I, I don't think it would be pushed to 2026, but stranger things have happened. I would have to think that the uh, modern production and the fact that they already have a, a, a direction for the album, I would think it's going to be within the next year or two, the max. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the band has been known to like sprinkle, uh, you know, s- individual singles uh, here and there. But I mean, they I don't think they've released a new song since uh, Gigaton was released. So it's been three years at least since we've heard anything uh, from the band. So I, I am very much uh, looking forward to seeing, you know, what their next uh, their next thing uh, sounds like um, it's very very curious, and uh, I will be um, ready to to uh, tear it apart or or praise it or whatever I feel like uh, it deserves. But um, definitely one of the uh, definitely one of the, my favorite uh, live bands to see. Um, just a really enjoyable experience. Uh, just having no clue what uh what songs they're gonna play which i think makes it really really fun um just having that you know that feeling of, of just not knowing what to expect and, and i think that's cool i i wish metal bands would take a page out of that book but god knows a lot of like those songs are so complicated they really need to be rehearsed um so yeah uh yeah glad that we both uh had that on our radar i'm definitely looking forward to more from them and and i definitely will i'm sure we'll both uh, talk about green day's new release as well i'm hoping again that uh, that, that's another uh band that it's been a while since they've released an album that i've been really excited about um 21st century breakdown (coughs) might have been the one for me and that was in 09 so both bands are kind of due for for knocking my socks off uh after you know after some what i would consider middling uh releases very uh very well said uh it is going to be an interesting 2024 uh but next week we put a bow on 2023 when we do our album year in review episode always uh one of the highlights of my year and i look forward to kind of going through it with you 
I have no idea what your album of the year is. And uh, needless to say, I'm very, very curious. I'm not sure you know what your album of the year is. And uh, we're going to talk about it later this week. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I just want to give a shout out and a thank you to all of our Patreon members who help support the show. Uh, Give us a like and a follow on our social media pages. It does help others to find the show. And uh, we'll come back next week and discuss uh, all things 2023 before we forge ahead in 2024. Yeah, I I have some finalizing to do, but uh, I I will be ready and I am excited. This is always um, one of my uh, favorite things that we do from year to year. I kind of wish that um, we had been doing this longer because it's. uh, I always also look forward to uh, going back and looking at some of the um, previous lists that we've put together in previous years, it's, it's kind of a good way of reminding me of uh, <laughs> some of the, the better albums in, in recent years because there's just so much to keep up with that sometimes it, you just you just forget because it's impossible to remember it all. Well said. Well said. Uh, enjoy the week, my friend. I look forward to recapping with you soon and uh, we'll come back next week with a, uh, the following week with a uh, brand new album to discuss. So cheers, my friend. Have a great night. You too, my friend.